You're listening to the Bethel University Chapel Podcast, recorded from the Everstwar Chapel Fine Arts Center in Mishawaka, Indiana. Thanks for listening. Well, good morning, everybody. It is so good to be here with you at a place that truly was instrumental in changing my life. Um, I do want to just do one thing, uh, because the introduction didn't hit it, and you wonder, you saw that last name. Yes, he's my older but looks younger than me brother, my better looking, more athletic, smarter brother. The only thing I'm better at than Robbie is small talk. So, um, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's the, the Prinkert brothers are, are taking Bethel by storm, and it is good to be here. Hey, this morning, I want to take you to a feeling, if you can. I want to try to take you to the, a feeling. It's that, it's that moment between when there's something that you want to or know you need to do, and you actually step out and do it. Like that feeling, okay? Like, like that moment when, uh, go back to when you were about to board your first ever roller coaster, and like the gates are going to open the next time, and, and, and you're about to step onto it. Or, or maybe for those of you athletes, that, that that first time where you are on the bench, and the game was either about to start, or you get called off the bench to, to go into play. Or for those of my fellow nerds in here, it's that moment when uh, very soon your finger is going to be hovering over the play button to episode one of season three of The Mandalorian, and you actually get to hit play, and you know, you're right there. Or, or maybe this would be the best one. It's that moment when you wrote that DM or text, the one sentence DM or text, and then you rewrote it, and then you rewrote it again to that person that you're kind of interested in, and you're hovering over the send button and trying to decide, do I, do I, do I, you know, that, are you with me on that feeling? It's that feeling right between when you know you should do this, you want to do this, but you're not sure what the outcome will be if you do it. You feeling it? Okay, let me take you to the ultimate moment for me when it was that. It was for my 25th birthday, why my wife is cooler than any other person in the world, and my wife is better than anybody else's wife in here or future wife. She bought me for my birthday skydiving. Like, I got a free ticket to go skydiving. And so, so, like, I get to go do this, and there's two types of skydiving that you can do. The first type is the tandem jump, that's where the instructor, the pro, you're just really strapped in alongside of them up in the plane. They, you fall out with them. They do all the work. You're in on for the free fall. That's the first type. That's not what I did. The second type is called the static line jump. Here's how the static line jump works. The, your ripcord is actually attached to this really long strap that's connected to the plane. Um, and then from there, what happens is you exit the plane on your own, and the strap like pulls the chute away. Um, but there's a particular way you have to exit the plane. What they do is, um, it's one of those planes where the wings are up high and there's a crossbar that connects the wing. What you do is you actually go out and you put your two hands on the crossbar of the wing, and then you let your body fly out behind you with the plane. I think there's a picture we have that kind of shows what this is like, just so you can get a feel uh, for what this is. Yeah. Yeah, so here I am, 
Um, like, and by the way, I should say, before I even went, they, they showed this lawyer that you had to fill out a release form, and the lawyer said, hey, I want to be clear. You've got to sign some papers. These papers are airtight. If you die on this, you can't sue us. And then he, like, proceeded to jump out of an airplane, and he was a parachuting lawyer. But still, like, that was the part. And I'm, I'm up there thinking, what have I done? I'm going to die well, with skydiving. And so here I am, and this is that moment of feeling. It's that mix of anticipation and absolute terror, right? And that's why I didn't do it. I'm totally kidding. I did it. I did it. I did it. I did it. Okay? I did it. It was incredible. But that's that moment. And I want to take you there. And, and here's the question uh, in that time. Because in that moment, there was plenty that could hold me back from stepping out and doing it. And the question I have for you this morning, what is holding you back from saying yes to that thing that Jesus is calling you toward in this season? What is it that's holding you back? He said, come, follow me, but maybe there's a little hesitation. And what is that hesitation for you? I want to take you in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 4. It's a story you've heard a ton of times. Probably if you've grown up in the church or been around or, or walked through, it's a pivotal time in the ministry of Jesus when he begins to truly call out his followers to begin to build this band of brothers known as the disciples. And it's the calling of these fishermen. Matthew 4, verse 18 through 20. It says this. As Jesus was walking along the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. Now pause. We're right there, right? In that moment that I'm talking about. The moment between there's an opportunity to do something and then to actually step out and do it. Andrew and Peter are right there in that feeling that we're talking about. Jesus is saying, come, follow me, and I will teach you to fish for people. Now, just a few quick notes so we can all be on the same page to grab a hold of what's happening. This is not the first interaction. Sometimes we think, like, here's Jesus walking in slow motion in his white robe and purple sash and flowing hair and blue eyes and white skin. A lot of problems we have with that, right? We get that picture of him walking along and being like, come, follow me. And, and they just like, as zombies, follow him. This is not the first interaction. This is not white Jesus either. This is real, authentic, Middle Eastern Jesus calling these fishermen. And there had been an interaction that we read about in John where it was very clear these guys, Andrew, one of my heroes in the Bible, Andrew is so much an unsung hero because he loved to introduce people to Jesus. We need more Andrews in the church. You look, look through what Andrew's main job. It was to go to Peter and say, hey, you need to check this guy out. Andrew's the guy that brought the little boy with the fish and the loaves to Jesus. He just loved introducing people to Jesus. Andrew introduces Peter to Jesus in John 1. There's an interaction that happens, and as they walk away, they already know there is something special about this guy. And this is the moment, though, that Jesus says, okay, you think there's something special about me? What are you going to do with it? Because I want to give you an opportunity to come and follow me. Now, the other part you need to grab a hold of is this, that, that they had to, like, really come to grips with something. Because if you look back up in uh, verse 18, it says this, they were casting their nets into the lake, for they were fishermen. Which goes back to this whole thing of what's holding him back. He's saying, 
not only do you want to come follow me, but I'm going to teach you a different way to fish. And that's where we get this moment where they have to come to grips with what's holding them back. For them, what's holding them back is this moment of do we leave this world of fishing and move forward. And what's crazy is their response. In verse 20, it says this, and they left their nets at once and followed him. I'm amazed by the immediate response. I don't know about you, but if you've said yes to Jesus, to initially following him, I want to have a heart like Andrew and Peter in this moment, where what's said of me is not, after thinking about it for a little while, wrestling, seeking out tons of counsel to make sure it was really Jesus or not, and weighing out all the options and everything else, Derry eventually stepped out and did what he was supposed to do. I don't want that to be. That's the way I tend to be. But in this moment, it says at once these guys stepped out and followed them, followed him. And, And there's even like this physical object that's right there when we ask the question, what's holding you back? For them, it took up the form of fishing nets. I don't think it's coincidence that Matthew took the time to point out they left their nets. They had to let go of something in order to truly follow Jesus. And understand the significance of this. This was a not amazing way of life, but it was a set and somewhat stable way of life for Andrew and Peter to move forward. To leave the nets behind left fam- meant leaving familiarity. They, they weren't just fishermen. Their father was a fisherman. They were from a fishing family. This, this meant going into a lot of unknowns. And there's more symbolism in just this whole thing. It's not just nets they're leaving behind. They're leaving by, behind comfort and a simple way of life to go out and follow Jesus. So, so here's the question, though. Like, like, this thought of at once and that they actually left it behind as we move from them back to us, it brings me back to that question is, what's holding you back from following after Jesus? As I think about this time of year, and who I'm talking about, uh, talking to, we're really in a season where I could see three different invitations from Jesus that might be in the room today that there's people wrestling through. Where he said something similar to you, or he's saying something similar to you, to come and follow him. The first would be an immediate invitation to serve or obey him. It's, it's that conversation that you know you need to have, the, the reconciliation conversation, the, the come to Jesus, in a sense, conversation with that friend, with that peer to say, hey, what would it look like for us to take this walk seriously together? It's that, it's that realization of an area where Jesus is saying, hey, I gotta get you to work through this, this habitual sin issue that's present in your life. Will you come and follow me? Will you come and take that to me? It's an, it's, it, so for some of us, it's an immediate obedience issue. Second group I could see is an invitation to an action that is coming soon. You know, a, 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 an action like a, something to do with your summer. I had conversations just in this last week with college, college students saying, I'm not sure exactly what I'm going to do with my summer. And, and the question I've had back is, well, what do you sense the Lord is calling you toward? And how is he calling you to spend your summer? And there's opportunities that you're beginning to weigh out and wrestling through. I've got these financial responsibilities, but I have these compelling callings inside of me, and I don't know how they mix all together. And 
And uh, I don't know what I'm going to do, but, but where should I go and what should I do? But I, there's maybe a sense where Jesus is saying, hey, will you follow me in this way this summer? And then the third I could see is maybe for the juniors and especially the seniors in the room, it's that invitation of what is going to happen after college is all done. What is the next step supposed to be? And trying to work through your own logic and reason, but ultimately saying, I want to follow after what Jesus has for me. And I sense he's calling me towards something, but ugh, it's like I'm hovering over that send button and I'm not sure if I really want to do it. And that's the net you're holding on to. What's holding you back? Now, there's a lot of things that could be holding us back in the room. But as I just prayed and processed through standing before you today, I just want to point out two more emotional, internal wrestlings that are present that could be holding us back, that we can just call to the front, and maybe you can decide if there's anything for you when it comes to this. The first that I could see could be holding us back is that simple four-letter F word. Just fear. 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 Fear is holding you back. Right? Like, like that there is there is something inside of this where the thought of saying yes to Jesus just raises up fear. Fear that I don't have what it takes and what I sense he's calling me toward. Fear of loss, of failure, of humiliation. Fear of where following Jesus in this step actually might take you or take you away from. Here, here's the reality. Fear is a part of my life. I graduated from here in 1999 in love with Jesus. This place and the circumstances I walked through in my college years allowed me to deeply fall in love with Jesus and get to know about my Savior and get to know him as well on a deeply intimate level that, that it transformed my life. And yet I was gripped so much by so many fears and insecurities that it has consistently been a hesitating factor for me in stepping out. In every major step he's called me toward, it's really been a level of having come face to face with my fears. I've spent a lot of time on stages like this. And I suffer from imposter syndrome like you wouldn't believe. The insecurities run high. There's a nagging lie that Satan sends to my mind all the time that, Derry, it's just a matter of time until people find you out to be the phony that you know you are. And I don't know if that's you, but I just share that with you to say that's a part of my life. But I can tell you this, whether it was stepping out to crazy fear to actually go back into the community that I grew up in and be a youth pastor a half a mile from the high school I graduated from, that was actually terrifying to me. I would have rather gone to California and been a youth pastor than have to go back into the schools where I acknowledged Jesus with my lips but denied him with my life like crazy and try to minister to kids in that age again. It was terrifying to me. To where I'm established with four kids and at a ministry and things are going great and he opens the door for me to move down to Louisville, Kentucky to serve at a church there and, and, and really give up everything that was familiar. And the major part was fear of, what if I mess up my kids? What if this is the wrong step? 
What if this is the moment where I blow everything up and I step out and do it? And just to make it fun, I did that in November of 2019. So four, five months later, the world shut down. Yeah, yeah, so like the fear of that all. And then even just this time last year, after 26, 25 years of serving as a pastor in a local church, responding to the call to say, Derry, it's time for you to step away from pastoring in the local church to serve pastors in the local church. These all might seem like little things to you all. They gripped me with fear beyond belief. That meant leaving something that had become so much a part of my identity. And all I can tell you is this, that every time I have faced my fear and stepped out and obeyed Jesus, I have zero regrets. Now, now don't hear me saying, check me out, guys. I am a fearless, brave warrior for Jesus. No, I have let fear grip me many times, and I've not stepped out. But I know this, that whenever I have faced the fear and stepped out, zero regrets. I can't think of a time where I thought, yeah, shouldn't have done that. And so if you're in that space where fear is gripping you, I want you to think through if Facing that fear in the past and stepping out of obedience to Jesus is something you've regretted. Zero regrets. So fear is what's gripping you. I wonder if it's time to just go for it. The second area that I, just as I prayed and thought through this, that I could see present in the room is holding on and the net equals control. Control. Where are my gamers at in the room? The, my esports people are gamers like... I am not one of you, I want to be clear. I thought League of Legends was a WWE tag team. Gulag sounds more like an Italian dish to me. Um, I, I, and I think those are even aged video game references. Like, go Mario. Uh, so, I don't know, I don't know. But I know this, I know when it comes to gaming that the one, like there's the remote control is a key part, right, of the gaming. When you have the remote, you are in control of the player. Like that's, it's a simple concept of how it works. As the remote, you are in control of the player that is the, the key in this game of how it's going. And, and this remote control is really like how you get to control things. In a lot of ways, that's the way we want to handle our journeys in life. We want our hands on the remote. And the thing that's holding you back from following after Jesus, the thing that he's calling you toward, whatever it might be, immediate, this summer, in your future, at the core of it, it's a likely step is going to be to take that remote control and to hand it over to your Savior and say, it's not mine to control. Peter and Andrew, that's what, that was a big part. Like, they didn't know what was going to come. They had no idea. I mean, he's saying, I'm going to go teach you how to fish for people. What does that even mean? And they have to hand the remote over to let Jesus take control. And I don't know what that means for you and the fears that could come up or what's brought you to the point where you want to have control. I recognize that maybe there's been times in your past where when others who have had power over you have taken that power and abused it in ways that makes you want to grip onto the control because you don't want to get burnt again. And it's a tool the enemy loves to use to make you think that, that what happened there is true of Jesus. That if you give him control, he will take the same power that that person had or those people had and how they used you and misused you, that Jesus will do the same. And it's just 
not true of Jesus. You know, uh, I mentioned it. I moved down to Kentucky four or five months before the pandemic hit. My takeaway is the dust is still settling from this whole COVID pandemic and, and all the world that, that all that happened in that world. My biggest takeaway is this. It's that control is just a myth to begin with. When did I ever think I had control? And if you're saying, man, Jesus, I want to follow you, but I, got, I just have a few conditions I'd like to run through real quick before I say yes, because I need to kind of have some, some parameters in this and have some control. I'm telling you, one thing I've realized is that who am I to, to ever think that I really have control in this crazy chaos of this world that's going on? And why would I not put the controls in the hands of the one who was there when this world was spoken into existence? Now, I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know what's going through your mind, what the Lord is stirring as I'm talking to you. But this is simply a, a, an invitation for some of you that I hope and pray he's already been stirring. That you have kind of that Andrew and Peter moment that's been going on in the last week, in the last month, in the last year, in the last several years, where there's been a wrestling, where you're at that point where the invitation is there and you're going, I know I should take this step, but I just, I don't know. And I don't know exactly what you're holding on to. But I want to just give you a moment and a little nudge to say, what if you just went for it? Back, back to my, my skydiving uh, moment. Um, when, it, when it came to this whole thing of actually skydiving, there was a key moment that they walked us through multiple times. They said a key to healthy skydiving was called an, it's a hard arch. And the idea is when you're going through, you want to be aerodynamically set to really have the chute catch you and everything else. And the hard arch is the idea that your legs are arched as far back as you can and your arms are arched behind your back as far as they can. And they say a key to that inside of the fact that you're holding on to the wing and your, your legs are going out is, is looking up straight up above you. That that will help your body kind of follow in the, in the dynamics that you need to do. And so what would happen is you would go, you would put a leg on the wheel, you put both hands, and then you just let your legs be flying back out, and they would, while they were there, they would, they would check this beforehand, but they would recheck to make sure everything's hooked up right, and you'd look, you'd look over at them, and they'd say, you good? And that, they'd do this, because they couldn't really say it, right, because there's wind flying in your face. You good? And you would nod back, and then they would, they would yell out, look up, let go. And the idea was to look up and let go. And can I tell you, the most amazing, exhilarating, flying feeling followed after that. But the key was to look up and let go of that thing that I was holding on to. This morning, what's holding you back from following after Jesus? And I have a feeling if it's holding you back, a part of what's happened is Jesus is out there calling you, but your eyes are like this because you're so caught up in what you're holding on to. And maybe the simple response today is to look up and let go. Look up and let go. Look up to Jesus and let go of that thing 
that's holding you back. I'm a youth pastor at heart. Would you bow your heads? And I think there's something powerful that can happen in just allowing our bodies sometimes to physically be a reflection of what our hearts are doing. And can I invite you to just grip your hands right now and just put them right in front of you in a fist with your heads bowed? And if you're in a spot where you'd say, you know what, Derry, as you're talking, I feel like the Lord is stirring in me. And if you just like, like be at that spot where you'd say, there's something I'm holding on to. It's keeping me from truly following after Jesus. I want to just invite you in this moment as a reflection to say, I'm done holding on, Jesus. To simply physically and literally, just as a sign of obedience to him, to stop from bowing your head and to look up and let go, if that's where you're at. To say, you know what, this morning, Jesus, I'm done holding on to this. I'm ready to say yes. And I'm going to look up and let go. If that's you, would you be willing to do that this morning? As a physical response to him, not for me, but for your Savior and for you. To look up and let go. I don't know what that is for you, as I see some of you now looking up right now and opening up your hands. But can I encourage you? This isn't meant to be walked through alone. If you have a mentor, conversation could be really valuable today. If you have a family member who is maybe a part of this journey, a conversation can be great, a roommate conversation, somebody who you can say, hey, this is going on, and today the Lord spoke to me, and I'm done fighting. I know there's a step I need to take, and I'm ready to look up and let go. Jesus, thank you that you don't leave us where we're at, that you call us forward to something. And for those this morning that you are stirring and saying, I have something ahead, will you follow me in this direction? And they are today saying, I'm done holding on. I'm ready to look up and let go. May you guide them on the adventure of a lifetime inside of not just this step, but the steps to come. We love you, Lord. We need you. You are Savior. You're in control. We let go and we give to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Terry. Thanks for listening to the Bethel University Chapel Podcast. Subscribe to the podcast and get more information at chapel.betheluniversity.edu or check us out on the iTunes Store by searching for Bethel University Chapel.